0: Welcome to the Home Girls with Degrees podcast. Welcome back to another episode. We are excited to be in this space again. We appreciate your patience and we are grateful we can share our research on yet another topic. Today's topic will be about burnout prevention by using self-care strategies for educators. As professionals, we often struggle with following a self-care routine and developing a work-life balance. Personally, working as a school psychologist can get overwhelming and challenging. I often feel like I need to take a breather before taking on another task. It is important that we acknowledge our minds and bodies in order to be the best possible version of ourselves at work, especially when working with such vulnerable populations such as youth.
1: Thank you for sharing, Elsie. As for me, I am a higher education professional. Our environment is fast paced and constantly changing. We often have to make modifications to meet the needs of our students, even more during this time. I have learned to be flexible and um, throughout the years, I have learned to have a work-life balance. I know that's not realistic for everyone. So we hope today's episode helps some of you all that are trying to accomplish that, especially as first generation professionals. So our check-in today is really important. I really wanted to see how Elsie is doing and transitioning back in person with this new school year. So Elsie, can you share um, how you have been transitioning and how you are prioritizing yourself during this time?
0: Yes, of course. Thank you, Lily. It's great to see you again. So as for me, it's been pretty challenging transitioning back to full-time in-person work. I felt like working from home was more flexible, to be honest, so I'm literally relearning how to be a school psychologist again, because I feel like I forgot a lot of the elements of being a school psych, you know, a lot of it has to do with preparation of like case reviews of files. So it's nice to be back in person because everything's accessible to you, right? right? Working from home, it was so limited. We couldn't really do a lot. Mm -hmm. So it's nice having my office space back and, and just being able to see the children again and the staff members. And it's a little uncomfortable though, because everybody's wearing a mask, you know, but that's obviously understandable. Yeah. And I think we're all used to that by now. Right. And, um, you know, it's been challenging also because there's a lot of deadlines that we have to meet as school psychologists and other, um, and other school professionals also need to adapt to those fixed timelines, you know? So I think it's been challenging, not only for me, but for a lot of educators and staff members within the school setting. And I think, I've been prioritizing myself by checking in with myself in a daily basis, every 30 minutes I make it a, make it a habit to take a break, yeah. I, you know, take walks even I socialize with with some staff members. I take my lunch. Yeah. Oftentimes a lot of us don't take our lunches because we just skip it. (laughs) Right. Because we feel like, oh, there's not enough time. Oh my gosh. I have so much work to do, but there is enough time, you know, and we just need to be very strict with ourselves. Just like we are with our work. We need to be strict about our self-care regimen Mm -hmm. at work. Right. So it's important, you know? So, yeah. So that's for me, but I think Lily, um, We work in different environments, right? So please share with us how you're transitioning back in person and how you're prioritizing yourself at work.
1: Yeah. So obviously we work in different settings, like you mentioned. I do work in higher ed, so we are not fully back in person as far as students. Um, We have a few, very few students. Um, All staff are on campus, though. So we definitely miss our kids. Not all of them. They. Um, opted for virtual classes um understandably so but Mm -hmm. I definitely do miss our students as far as the transition like you mentioned it's been difficult to get back to what we were back then and forgot so many small details and I'm like constantly stopping like wait how do how do I do this Mm um I I am excited though I think it's completely different that we don't have a um I guess, large student uh, presence. So it has allowed us to step back and really focus on organizing, planning our events, Mm -hmm. coordinating. Um, That's what I do. So I think I have transitioned well and how I am prioritizing myself. um, I want to be more constant with my routine. Um, Obviously I have a better day. if and things run smoother once I'm prepared. Um, And I'm not like running all over the place. And so I I do prioritize my routine, my daily routines. And um, I plan a lot. I don't know if you've seen my planner. (laughs) So yeah, my daily to do list and just try to um, do that. I actually started um, some classes, working out classes Mm -hmm. in the morning. So I really don't want to miss those. And it just helps me mentally and then obviously emotionally once i'm like set to go for work so mm-hmm. i feel a more positive um, mindset when once i go to my classes yes. so that's super important part of our routine but <clears throat> um,
0: something lily before we move on yeah that you're looking forward to this the school year
1: I think um, this school year is obviously like completely different. I really think it's important to have staff and just, um, I guess, supervisors that are very understanding. It's not going, we're not going to function the same. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited that everyone's being gentle. At least that's my experience. I don't know if that's for Mm -hmm. everyone, but um, I'm excited to, to see what we come up with. um, We have a lot of new projects, a a lot of new events, ideas. It's going to be challenging, which I'm excited about because I know I'm going to have a lot of growth within this time frame. So that's what I'm excited about. How about you? What are you looking forward to this school year?
0: You know what? I am looking forward to the holidays. (laughs) To the summer. Because yeah, (laughs) to the summer. But honestly, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the kids, you know, get happy about the holidays Aww, coming up yeah. because a lot of the, a lot of the children that I work with are talking about Halloween, Aww, what they're going to dress up as that's cute. in terms of the, of the costumes and all of that. So I think it's cute that the kids are getting into the f- festivities and enjoying just being a, being a child. Aww. I think that's something that unfortunately a lot of the children so were bad. impacted, you know, by COVID because they had to move back home and learn from home and and I, I feel like that's something that is important for us to be happy, for us to be um, exposed to those happy moments that unfortunately the, the pandemic kind of took away, you know, from these, from these children. Mm-hmm. And also I'm looking forward to, of course, um, the summer break, you yeah. know, because it's gonna be a stressful year, <laughs> it I can tell really you that is
1: honestly it is like everyone's transitioning students don't even know how to socialize they right. don't know it's going to be a lot I mean, <laughs>
0: they don't know how to socialize I imagine the or children function. right because I feel like the staff members where I'm at my my, my school they're struggling with classroom management with behavior management they mm. don't understand that these children are literally they were without school without structure for a year and a half and they're coming back to school. So we literally need to help the children understand rules, understand boundaries, understand expectations in the classroom. So we just need need to be gentle, like Mm -hmm. you said, gentle and patient. So thank you for those questions. They were great. So now we're moving on to our topic of the day, which is burnout prevention. And before we even get started, let's go ahead and identify what is burnout. And according to Psychology Today, the basics about burnout, excuse me, burnout is a state of emotional, mental, and often physical exhaustion brought on by prolonged or repeated stress Though it's most often caused by problems at work, it can also appear in other areas of your life, such as parenting, caretaking, and romantic relationships. Mm -hmm. So teaching specifically is a profession where burnout has been recognized to be a problem. Studies indicate that teachers and their burnout status has a negative impact on student motivation and learning. It has been estimated that between five to 30% of all teachers show distinctive symptoms of burnout at any given time. And such symptoms relate to the feelings of alienation, indifference, and low self-regard, a loss of interest in work, and an inability to perform one's day-to-day job duties. So really be aware of your feelings, of your moods at work, and really check in with yourself throughout the day. I think that's crucial to fight burnout, to prevent that from overpowering your day-to-day. Also, the term burnout in a professional sense refers to the consequences of severe stress and high ideals in helping professions so often these individuals end up exhausted listless and unable to cope with just their every day to day so teacher burnout can occur slowly over many years of teaching or as quickly as during your first year of teaching. And this is, and this research comes from the Institute for Quality and Efficiency in Healthcare. So unfortunately, burnout of this type is quite common in new teachers, which in turn leads to a weakening of teachers' So now that we learned about burnout and the consequences, there's also another component that is referred to as compassion fatigue. So high levels of stress lead to compassion fatigue, right? Because we're not taking that break and we are not consciously aware of our feelings and we just continue working and working and we tend to ignore our emotions and that is not something that we should be doing so compassion fatigue according to psychology today it is an article titled are you suffering from compassion fatigue what to do when showing compassion feels like a burden it is a condition in which someone becomes numb to the suffering of others they often feel less able to display empathy toward them Or loses hope in their ability to help. So this is very common in healthcare professionals, soldiers, or anyone who is exposed to human suffering on a regular basis. More about vicarious traumatization, also known as compassion fatigue or secondary traumatization, is really the emotional residue or strain of exposure to working with those suffering from the consequences of traumatic events. Mm -hmm. So compassion fatigue is really found in these individuals that unfortunately, right, serve a lot of people with like mental health issues as it relates to counseling, therapeutic services. Mm -hmm. And this article was found by the Institute of Stress. So now I I wanted to share a little bit about my own experience with these, with these types of symptoms that relate to the burnout and also compassion fatigue. You know, I'm a very young professional. So this is my fourth year into um, being a school psychologist. And I already feel sometimes, right, the symptoms of compassion fatigue and burnout. So when I feel like I don't want to do my own job anymore, that's when I realize, Mm -hmm. ooh, I have to take a break. So in my profession, we do a lot of report writing, a lot of um, testing, a lot of researching, data collection. So it becomes very consuming. And you kind of, you know, have this, just this mood of not wanting to do it anymore. But in order to break that, right, because I'm still very young in my profession, I I take breaks before testing another student or before calling a parent to interview them. So it's very important that we're mindful on our feelings because then we can purposefully take the break before seeing another student for, let's say, social emotional counseling or even testing. I make it a habit to check in with myself before moving on to another task. I've noticed that it's important to be aware of my feelings and emotional state before helping others. Yeah. And now that we learned how high levels of stress can impact our mental health, it is vital that we talk about self-care as a prevention of breakout, or not breakout, I mean burnout, I'm sorry. It's okay. In order to reduce burnout among us educators and other health professionals, we need to increase our self-care practices and our regimen.
1: Yes, thank you for sharing your experience with us, Elsie. I know that your profession is not easy and, you know, we check in a lot and I know it's a lot more demanding and emotionally and mentally demanding. Mm -hmm. So, we purposely wanted to do this episode because we want everyone to learn how to take care of themselves and also prevent burning out and because it's so much Mm -hmm. more difficult to get out of there Mm -hmm. once you reach that point obviously so we we're all we're human we're going to be tired and we're going to get exhausted at some point but we want to do all these small um, changes on our daily um, lives. That way we can also be better professionals, right. mentally, more prepared, exactly. physically, emotionally. So I actually ran into a, an article. And it's really helpful because it talks about self care strategies for educators during the coronavirus crisis. So I am going to actually link this um, article on our. We have a Linktree account, and basically you can just go to our Instagram bio and, and click on it, and I um, I have already done that, so you can find the article. It's really helpful, and I'm only sharing some of the um, important strategies for me, but it, it even gives you um, guided questions if you want to do them. It's pretty brief, so... these are some of the strategies that I found in the article, okay? To have a healthy mindset and behaviors. So of course, we all need to create a new normal during this time. We have to be realistic and gentle with ourselves. We're completely in a different environment. And so we need to be gentle with ourselves and understanding that it's not probably going to be um, the same as before, your performance, um, how you're feeling. So give yourself the permission for trial and error during this time. Um, a lot of people don't know how to be gentle with themselves and we push ourselves so much, but I think I, I would hope that everyone has now learned during this time to take it slower and um, just allow yourself the time and space to figure out this new normal that we live in. Um, If possible, reduce the workload for yourself and your students or whoever you are serving. Um, We're all experiencing a lot of stress and um, change has diminished everyone's mental capacity to handle the load. So allow yourself in any capacity to reduce that load. Um, It'll help you in the long run and everyone else that you serve. So for example, Elsie shared her research on teachers and um, maybe teachers can, what they can do is maybe give less homework or less reading assignments um, because we have to be gentle with ourselves and the people we serve. Okay. Um, Another strategy um, would be to shift the focus from academic content to positive healthy relationships. So we want to prioritize positive interactions to connect with the students and their families. We have no idea what they are going through sometimes and we don't want to be that burden. We're there to help and support whoever we're serving. Um, So what matters most right now is how the students um, feel, okay? Another strategy is to practice self-awareness. Um, pretty much being aware of and accepting your own thoughts and feelings and adjusting your actions accordingly. Um, sometimes we get stuck into our um, feelings, right? And that's that's okay to fail them, but we don't want to become those feelings. Um, once we we're there we want to learn what to do with with those feelings, right Mm -hmm. so these are just some helpful points that um whenever you're um experiencing high amounts of stress um it sounds so easy just to say it but obviously Mm -hmm. when you to do it it's much harder so stay calm and focused how do you do that when you're experiencing such a challenging moment so simple things as just being and figuring out what works for you. So some ideas might be to go on a walk with your dog to nature, literally, um, towards the end of um, while I was so working from home, I, I was so stressed and just mentally like blocked. And the only thing that would help me was to go on a walk outside. Sometimes we just need to go outside mm-hmm. because we're stuck all day inside. And it makes such a big difference. And I don't even know why I didn't do it more often. So mm-hmm. physical exercise, of course, is really good. Or just simply um, talking with a good friend can also help. And give them a phone call instead of just texting. <laughs>
0: right.
1: um, and then become aware of the stories that you're telling yourself. So um, consider whether the way you think and talk about the current circumstances is realistic or primarily Mm fear-based. So are your thoughts something that are rooted in fear and you're just having trouble staying calm or focused? Simply allow and accept your feelings and give yourself permission to not force or push things. Just let it be, be aware of what you're feeling and um. For example, if you have a class um, or like you said, you have meetings with the parents, with students, Mm -hmm. um, you might want to consider ways to, I know for you, it's so hard to reschedule or reconnect when your mind is feeling steadier or more stable. So that's just an idea. Let me see. Another um, strategy would be know that your emotions can be contagious. So, both positively and negatively. So, do your best to keep fear and panic at bay and support healing and well being um, simply by modeling calm behavior and emoting positively and optimistically. So, I know we all feel overwhelmed. Pause, take a breather, <clears throat> notice the thoughts that are in your mind and what your body is feeling, and give yourself a moment or more to relax your mind and body before responding or making any decision okay like you mentioned you check in with yourself a lot like what would happen if you didn't do that
0: right i would go crazy so (laughs) you know this is great information because it correlates to what i do with my students so Mm
1: -hmm. yeah so another um I guess, tip strategy is to be optimistic and solution focused. So Mm -hmm. how do you do that? (laughs) Rather than focusing on the problems that you are facing and right away, we tend to start analyzing. um, We want to not get into the analysis (laughs) paralysis mode. We want to start searching for solutions instead, right? Uh, so you you want to have those difficult conversations or consider alternative solutions, uh, maybe challenge your previously held beliefs. That's something that I find myself doing a lot lately. Um, just challenging what we believe before it can change and it's okay. Um, maybe consider other people's perspectives. I think that's um, I think that's really helpful as well when we're making a decision, being solution focused. Um, uh, yeah about that i've been doing that too where
0: i i battle my negative thoughts so mm-hmm. like if i am conscious of the negative thought i go against it mm-hmm. so for instance i catch myself saying i don't want to go to the gym oh, it's too far oh my gosh it's such a drag <laughs> going to the gym i'm tired <laughs> so what i do is nope I'm going to go to the gym anyway, and kind of combat that negative thought. And I just feel so much better because I owned up to it. I fought it and I mm, overcame it. Yeah. So it's like you feel empowered when you go against the negative mm. thought. Mm-hmm. So yeah, That's true. I totally encourage
1: us right to continue that because yeah. it's so crucial for our mental health. Yes, I agree. So another strategy would be to shift from peasant pessimism to optimism um, it's normal to think when so we're going through crisis or just a difficult time mm-hmm. um, we think of everything that can't be done and i i do that a lot like oh my god i can't do that anymore or like we just get stuck in the negative right so mm-hmm. instead of that shift it to what is what is it that you can do what, what can you do with that situation um so, and talking about
0: that, Lily, I just heard a podcast from Jay Shetty, I believe it oh, was I love him. his mm. episode. And he was sharing that our brain is fixated on being negative. 80% mm. of our thoughts are negative thoughts.
1: Oh, wow! Isn't
0: that crazy? <laughs> so li- literally we're negative people, mm-hmm. right? So that's why we need to rewire our brain and just be more positive towards our
1: actions, towards mm our work Mm -hmm. towards ourselves yeah and yeah not fixate on like what we can't do right you know maybe for a little bit but don't get stuck there immediately Mm -hmm. redirect the focus Mm -hmm. um and just simply be patient with yourself and I know that's so much harder to to do Mm -hmm. and I really wow I didn't even know that I thought sometimes I'm just a negative person
0: no yeah. we so all 80% are 80 percent of our thoughts are negative so.
1: Jeez, so it's really important that we shift yes. that and you know intentionally right. oh yeah, like yeah and we have to do gratitude
0: that. right which mm-hmm. is something that you were going to share too
1: yes reframing everything mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I think the last thing that I wanted to to share and there's so many more uh, strategies I would highly recommend you check out this um, awesome article um, again we have it linked but one of the things that mm-hmm. I'm I'm intentionally practicing more is gratitude i think that's as simple as gratitude right. practicing that can definitely shift our perspective right. always as being grateful for the smallest smallest things so taking some time to express appreciation and gratitude can help um yourself and others through these challenging times um, you can even some ideas are to do like a personal journal gratitude writing simple things that you are grateful for every morning sometimes we don't have time for that like um we have to make the time so I wanted to do like personal gratitude journaling every day honestly my morning is crazy so I don't even have time to sit down or even at night I'm just too exhausted to do so instead what I do is on my way to work I commute 20-30 minutes I start saying it out loud, like what I'm grateful for, I'm going to have a beautiful day, like just motivating yourself and just being positive Mm -hmm. about it. It it takes time to get there though, because I feel like I, I, yeah, it's taking time.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it takes years for us to rewire our brain because if we think about it, we've been having these negative thoughts since we were born, right? Like we have generated this negativity mm. around our
1: day-to-day mm-hmm. yeah And the other thing is to demonstrate compassion so maybe refrain yourself from judging others criticizing others whether whether it's the people you serve whether it's friends family anyone surrounding you mm-hmm. um it's a, diff- a difficult time but um just be conscious of how you're responding to people um and connecting with others so positive ways that you can connect with people are through active listening, Mm -hmm. um, seeking to understand rather than to be understood and strengthening feelings of concern for others, not just for those suffering from the virus, but Mm -hmm. for all those Mm -hmm. suffering from fear or panic as well. Mm -hmm. So those are just some um, of the strategies that I really um, liked. Um, Again, check out the article and that's Pretty much what I wanted to share today, Elsie.
0: Thank you so much. I definitely learned a lot about the different strategies that I think, you know, that I could use and also teach the students that I serve. I think it's crucial to really put in the work because if we don't, mm. we're never going to get better, right? We're just going to keep having these negative thoughts and repetitive thoughts. And just very quickly to shine some light on the research. In 2005, the National Science Foundation published an article regarding research about human thoughts per day. The average person has about 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts per day. Of those, 95% are exactly the same repetitive thoughts as the day before. And 80% are negative. Wow! So, I mean, it's our job to fix those negative thoughts thoughts. So I cannot emphasize that enough, but thank you so much for, jo- for joining us today. I hope you found our content informational and consider practicing some of the coping strategies in your own life. Yay. Please head to our Instagram and let us know what strategies you are implementing in your life that may help you. Stay tuned for our next episode. Till next time.
1: Bye-bye.